right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast absolved of all hot takes because it speaks the direct word of Zeus, passed down from on high. Take it up with him. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you Anglo-Saxon warrior poet, you third floor veteran, you sweet, sweet man, Michigan our Big Ten champions in 2021. How you feeling, brother? Man, I am good. I am freshly 30. I spent the week in establishing the run. Michigan's Big Ten champion, the first time since 2004. I mean, what? how could life be better right now? I could put on sunglasses. That's what I could do. That's what you could do. And actually, if you don't mind, that's been working for us. So thank you. That looks yes, good. That looks go. glorious. It would be tough for life to be better, at least in the sports world right now. We are recording this on a Tuesday as Michigan is currently – trouncing Nebraska at 79-53 right now. We are Big Ten champions. The hockey team's probably winning another national championship. Being a Michigan fan right now in December of 2021 is about as good a time to be any sports fan in in our history, in, in our lifetimes that we can remember. Yeah, because I wasn't even a fan in 97. <clears throat> if I was, I would have been freshly six. So, you know, doesn't quite hit the same. And right now, it's just we've had so many years of pain. So Ohio State felt great. This past weekend was just a continuation of it. And the way it happened, we didn't limp to the finish line. We stormed across it. Aiden Hutchinson's a Heisman finalist, which we'll talk about. Josh Gaddis winning the Broyles. National Signing Day is coming up next week. I mean, things are just lining up for the old blue over here. It's as good as could be, man, and far from limping into it with victories over Maryland, Ohio State, and Iowa that were all resounding, some of them beatdowns, um, actually all of them beatdowns, let's, yes. let's just call it like it is. So yes, uh, you touched on several things there that we want to get to, but let's talk about this game, the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis, the first time Michigan has ever been in this game. Well represented, it looked like. What did you think of the crowd? Looked to be about 60-40, maybe even 70-30, maize and blue. I would say 70-30. It was awesome. And then you could hear him singing Mr. Brightside late. Even Gus Johnson recognized it. No, Michigan traveled very well for this game. And honestly, I expect the same for their next game and possibly the next two games. I'll tell you what, it is looking pricey to go down there for New Year's Eve. You and I were really hoping to go do that. Uh, I believe we also have some New Year's Eve plans. So kind of jamming us up with the New Year's Eve game uh, late, like later in the evening on New Year's Eve. It is what it is. Um, we will reassess. We are warriors, and we do not have thin skin, so we're going to make this happen, obviously. But getting down there is going to be uh, – that's going to be a chore. Have you looked yeah. at some of the prices? Yeah, they're like $1,200 and like comparable to other games, which would be $300. So, I mean, I think this this is going to be the hottest ticket in college football for bowl season. It would not surprise me. I mean, you've got two perennial powers. Michigan has really flexed its viewership muscles with this run that we're on right now, setting a couple records. And Bill Simmons, who we both listen to religiously, saying Michigan fans are coming out of the woodwork. Uh, you should have done been out the woodwork. It's a great <laughs> program that you should always support, but they're everywhere, and it's great to see them all coming out now. And you're absolutely right. I have to imagine Michigan will be well represented, even though this is down in Miami, far closer to Georgia. I expect a close to 50-50 split in that one. Absolutely. And, I mean, if you can afford it, what's better than New Year's Eve in Miami watching a Michigan game? Sounds like a fever dream. <laughs> and what am I what am I huffing huffing gas again here? That sounds amazing. That Daryl Strawberry. Yes, it is. Like, that is Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> I'll see you guys in three weeks. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of surprises me the way the bowls are split. I thought Alabama might be there closer for them, but they're playing in Arlington, I believe, at Cowboy Stadium. Isn't that right? I believe so, yeah. I thought thought that's where we would go because I thought we might get number one. So I was hitting up. I got people in Dallas. So I was like, ooh, this could work out nicely. I have no people in Miami. <laughs> this, is, this is our problem. We have too many people in Dallas and not enough in Miami. None in Miami. None in Indy either. That doesn't help me either. Well, if we make the natty, we'll go to Indy and we'll make our own people. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. If, if we go to the natty, we're, we're figuring that out. I'm still in the midst of my travel nightmare and have yet to leave the country. So uh, I'm not making any plans until after this natty is decided. Absolutely. But uh, all right, man, let's actually talk about this game there. Uh, we mentioned the crowd. Michigan comes out in this thing. And early on, it looked like it might be an Iowa type of game. But Gaddis, he may have won the Broyles with this game. 
And early on, you've got the Corum run where he breaks it for 67 yards. Ankle looked a lot better. Talk about that run from Corum, specifically the cut he made in that to get loose for that first touchdown. So the offensive line gave him a great hole, which should have just been a, you know, 12 fall forward, 14, 15 yard gain. But then he makes this just cut that only players like Blake Corum can make. And it's just completely lateral movement to the right side to break it down the right sideline. Gives J.J. McCarthy time to catch up, run interference for him. Mikey Sainer still and Roman Wilson throwing blocks 30, 45 yards downfield. And then Corum just goes breezing by down the sideline. He said he's not 100%, but 85% Blake Corum is terrifying. Is that not the play J.J.'s throwing blocks ahead yeah. of Corum? So J.J. caught up to him like when he made the cut and just running side by side. Dexter was like, oh, J.J.'s got jets. Okay, he JJ's can fly. Speed speed. Like yeah, that is got- no joke speed. He caught up to Corum and passed him on that one. Absolutely bonkers. Great play call. They used McCarthy perfectly in this one. Probably the best execution of McCarthy in this game that we've seen all season. Um there, there could be some other uh, some other ones you might want to throw in there, but he was used as a diversion beautifully in this one, and Corum was was stout on that one. They they do drive down, and they're about to get a field goal. David Ojabo with a big tackle for loss down there. I may have got that out of order. I think actually the missed field goal came before the Corum run there. But regardless, I wanted to talk about that play. Also, David Ojabo, Gus Johnson did it again. He had a call on David Ojabo that I can only hear his name like that now. The Ojabo, David Ojabo. <laughs> well, Ojabo did such a great job of setting the edge, fighting the hands to keep the running back contained. I believe it was Goodson on the run and made the huge tackle for loss, forced the field goal to miss it. And Ojabo was used sparingly in this game. You saw a lot of Jalen Harrell on the other side of Hutch at times, and I thought it kept Ojabo fresh because Harrell has really come on as well these last two games. And to have pieces like that can intermix and keep them fresh next to Hutch, oh boy. Ojabo. You know that's the call. It's like People's <laughs> Jones. When it was People's Jones down the sideline. It's the exact only way same I can thing. say Donovan People's Jones now, screaming it. Exactly. And that's the only way I'll be able to say David Ojabo now. Uh, yeah, he was excellent in this one. Um, you're absolutely right. He didn't play a ton of snaps. Jalen Harrell and Mike Morris, they really like what they have in those guys. And they feel just as good about putting them out there as they do about putting Ojabo out there as well. So. Got some depth building up there as well. Uh, second touchdown of the game. Things go back and f- actually, it's right after the quorum score, and we get next the ball back. Play. <laughs> it's the next play after that. They dial up maybe the coolest play of the season where Cade McNamara swings it out to Donovan Edwards, takes a hit as he's delivering an absolute dime to Roman Wilson, 75 yards touchdown. Talk about that play. How insane was it at your your little birthday bash, or at least how insane were you going? I was screaming. I saw it throw it to Donovan Edwards, and I noticed it was a little further back. I'm like, oh, that's a lateral. And then he stops, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, no. Oh, God. And then he just slings the pill 45 yards while getting run over, and it just drops in a bucket because you hear Gus Johnson on the call. He's got a man, Roman Wilson. I'm like, I was just in shock when he got in the end zone. I'm like, we just went up 14 nothing in two plays, and they've driven the length of the field twice and come up empty. <laughs> So a ton I want to talk about there. Um, First of all, I love this play calling. We were talking about on our podcast with the Sklar brothers that we felt like some big gash plays early on could be huge because they're going to try and muddle this thing up, especially in the first half. They want it to be 7-3 going into the second half. The longer that this game is extended and the longer that they're still in it, the better better off it is for them. So to really go for the jugular on that play call was brilliant. And I really think Gaddis is now thinking like long-term strategy, not just next play call. He's got all the chess pieces mastered now, and he's moving them throughout the board like someone that's been at it, like a grandmaster. So that was awesome, just the play call there. And then uh, my, my second part is actually a question. Better throw. Was it uh, Donovan Edwards to Roman Wilson, or was it the Mike Barrett across the field to A.J. Henning? Because we've got two guys outside of the quarterback room that apparently are just dime tossers. It makes no sense. I'm going to go with Edwards just because of the shot he took upon delivery. Just standing in there, he easily could have just pump faked, scrambled around, threw it away or something like that. But he just full-on absorbs a massive shot right in the chops and still drops a dime. I mean, no disrespect to Michael Barrett, high school quarterback. 
Donovan Edwards was not a high school quarterback. So that was just unbelievable. Harbaugh said he's never missed it in practice, and that's one they've been sitting on. And to have the patience of Josh Gaddis to sit on this play call for this exact moment is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, absolute props to Gaddis. There's no question. You and I were really on the fence about him coming into this season. Took till about week seven or so before you and I were like, hey, dude, this dude's actually been kind of in his bag this season. And uh, obviously we're full believers now. He's been gifted the Broyles Award. But yeah, to save that there, not use that against Ohio State either. Didn't need it. Throw it in the flea flickers, which we'll get to in the second half. Yeah, absolute props to him. All right, so we go into the half. They do get a field goal. It's 14-3 at the half. How were you feeling at the half? Because I was still finding myself a little nervous. I was a little tense as well because it's just that old Michigan pain creeping up in you. Like, going to find a way to blow this. It could turn worse. It's 11 points. But it kept reassuring me that 11 points is a lot right now because they are struggling. And I trust the second half adjustments to keep moving it forward. And you and I talked at halftime and you said, we get a three and out, I'll feel much better. We didn't get a three and out, but we got a six and out. And then Michigan has the ball. Absolutely. Michigan has the ball and they are able to, I believe, right on that drive. drive down there yeah and then it just it's the it's the Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald show the entire defense stiffens up for McDonald and then the tight ends just go a level up here in this second half the tight ends played out of control in the second half so we go up 21-3 after that Hutch absolutely turns his man into paste forces an incompletion (laughs) it's uh it's a three and out and then CJ comes and blocks the punt at that point we're up 21-3 with the block punt I basically shook my dad's hand and I said, that's game. Cause I was like, there's no way they can't do it. Just this Iowa team is not built for that kind of game. And they were able to play their, their BS, you know, play on their side of the field punt and, and play this field position game. They were able to play that a lot in the first half. Once we got away from that and we had the field position game one with the block punt and an 18 point cushion, I, I felt pretty much like this thing was over. Yeah, 21-3, I was done. 28-3, I drowned out the commentary with music at the party. And one thing I really want to touch on here about the game, specifically in the second half, was I have a question for you. Hit me. How many field goals has Jake Moody kicked since November 13th? I'll Penn bet State it's low. Game. I'll bet it's uh, since November 13th. Give me the game of that week. Penn State Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa, four games. How many field goals has he kicked? Uh, I can almost do the math with the scores. Is it two? One. One One field goal against Maryland, and that's it. That's where the red zone execution is right now. Goodness. I mean, these are the things I kind of thought Gaddis for the Broyles. I mean, we may as well talk about it now. We've brought it up so many times. Kind of thought Gaddis for the Broyles was a bit of a stretch until you look at you know, what's been our Achilles heel in November, how we finished. And like, it's been so much about how we finished. So yeah, you absolutely should reward these guys for playing their best football and coaching their best football when it mattered most at the end of the season. And Gaddis has been absolutely locked in. And yeah, Jake Moody, who was the hero of this team against Rutgers and Nebraska, we haven't even needed him. That is, that is telling. That's a weapon to keep, and you think the play call to Eric All against Penn State to get him wide open for the touchdown. And then since then, this offense has put up 59, 42, and 42 to close the season, beat Ohio State, and win a Big Ten championship. He earned it this last month. He absolutely earned it. I know we yelled about it on the last pod, but uh, time to pay these people. I don't (laughs) care where the money comes from. Steven Ross is worth more money than God. Uh, (laughs) We've got the bar stool dude. I know he's got a lot of money. What are we doing here? Everybody can, I mean, Harbaugh's giving out free money, not just the athletic department. I believe he's just dropping it from a helicopter over the field and first come, first serve. So there's got to be some for Sharon Moore, Josh Gaddis, and all these guys. If not, you're going to lose some of them. And yeah, I mean, we re- reiterate it. They finally talked about it on the college football show the day after the game. Um, and even Galloway and Herb Street had to acknowledge, like, this guy's getting paid $4 million this year. And the extra money he's giving is all going back to the staff. J.J. McCarthy just gave away $10,000 of his NIL money. Blake Corum is out there on Thanksgiving giving turkeys. Like, I don't want to take the moral high ground for a team that I am not part of and a university I did not attend. But it's hard not to look at this and think, man, just first class all the way top to bottom, especially this season. 
you didn't attend, I didn't attend. So I will take the moral high ground of this. <laughs> we did this. But JJ McCarthy, 17, 18 years old, just giving away 10 G's like that. And that's unbelievable, man. That, Speaks I would volumes. Not, that 10 G's would have me right now in Morocco and I'd spend <laughs> it all. I'd be trying to like weasel my way back onto the team, having been kicked out for spending too much time at a Denny's or something like that. I'd just be like, oh, Jared has a prostitute with him at the game? Come on now, that's too much. <laughs> that's what they do at LSU, not here, sir. Not here, sir. You leave, <laughs> you leave your, your high high quality call girl outside with the players' wives like, like the rest of us. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Bringing it back around to Iowa, another thing I want to touch on that it's just as certain as anything that we're going to talk about is Aiden Hutchinson. He became the game MVP in this, and Iowa did a great job, and you'll expect this the rest of the way. Other teams tried to get the ball out fast, and even despite that, he fought through two blocks, a tackle, and a running back to still notch a sack in this game to extend his Michigan program record to 14 on the season more than a sack a game it's it's madness how good he's been and uh he's right it's him and charles woodson 1a 1b for the best players i've ever watched at michigan i don't know which one i mean recency bias can be dangerous so i'm not willing to give it to him over charles woodson just yet but he's right up there in that sack i wanted to spend a moment on that um, what it looked like was a design two-person like blocking scheme there where they were both going to combine to try and stop Aiden Hutchinson. The right tackle gets absolutely gassed immediately. He's supposed to push him out to the running back, back to chip, but he's immediately inside. He gets outside of the right tackle, inside of the running back. High degree of difficulty, shiftiness, quick hands, explosive. Like, I don't know, you've got two guys trying to stop you and they both can barely manage to lay a hand on you. He is just so much better than everyone he goes up against. It's been one of the joys of my life to watch him this season. So, man, a tip of the cap. They made the mistake of just trying to block him with men. Like, you need right. you need demigods, you need real gods. You need gods. to, like, dig a moat and have a drawbridge. <laughs> it still wouldn't work. He's a hell of a swimmer. So, no matter what they could do, nobody is slowing down Aiden Hutchinson. And with Harold or Jabo coming on the other side, it just allows him to keep facing double teams and chip blocks, and he eats those. He's been the best player in the country the last two weeks, full stop. Full stop, full stop. And while I don't know if he'll win the Heisman, we'll get into that later. He absolutely deserves to be there in New York. Uh, Got to take a moment, though, to talk about home field apparel. I have to believe they're a good omen for us. We've been talking about them being from Indy and, and what that means, and it ended up happening. You've got to celebrate with some home field apparel to commemorate this Big Ten championship season. I have uh, really made made a problem in the sense that I'm traveling across the globe and now have a whole suitcase of home field apparel Michigan gear. It's a problem that I'm willing to deal with, but you can get 20% off your first first purchase with MNB at checkout when you go to homefieldapparel.com. All right, man. So we end up running away with this thing in the second half. Really not much of a, of a battle there, and uh, the celebration is on. Talk to me about the feeling of knowing you, you, you support a team and Michigan is Big Ten champions versus the feeling of beating Ohio State. Was it kind of just like, Ohio State was one thing, and then this became just like the cherry on top, or was this equally as big for you as a fan? This was the cherry on top for me. Ohio State means so much, and it just because of, I mean, the absence was greater with the Big Ten Championship, but Ohio State is, it was the narrative, and if Harbaugh had lost that, you know, it just sets everything back, and you have to earn the right to play for a Big Ten Championship, and having Ohio State constantly be that hurdle has been the challenge and the difficulty of reaching if we played the big 10 west hell we might have four right now so the fact that he finally overcame that it made the big 10 championship even sweeter but for me it was if this was a banana split the ice cream was the ohio state game and the bananas whipped cream cherry and nuts that was the big 10 championship I have to agree with you. I kind of felt the same way. I think I was leaning a little bit more towards like maybe it wasn't just the cherry on top. It was also like some of the accoutrement, maybe the nuts and the chocolate drizzle as well. Because to beat them, it's like, sweet, we finally got our bowl of ice cream. I don't know why we chose an ice cream metaphor for this. Everybody we, loves ice cream. We could, we could have done a lot better. Apologies <laughs> to the diabetics. 
and the lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna change metaphors midway through here. But beating Ohio State was like that was obviously the weight was lifted, but it felt like it was a two part deal. If we didn't finish it, there was gonna be an asterisk that was attached to it by like the people that we don't really care about, the trolls and such from different fan bases. Now, you and I have mostly disengaged from that sort of nonsense, but nonetheless, there would be an asterisk. Now there is no asterisk. This was the best team in the in the best conference this year, and I think the best team in the, in the nation right now for how they're playing. So I think it was huge. I don't think that the season feels the same if you lose that to Iowa, but as we saw, that was never, never an option. No, and the way we put it after beating Ohio State, everything after that were was crap. Was the first one was craft beer problems. That was the Big Ten championship. Now we're at champagne problems. But if we had lost to Ohio State, that's real problems. So that's a kind of the stepping stone of this. And the fact that, again, it was a blowout. It was over the team that ruined the 2016 season, made it all the sweeter. So, no, man, it's just been and it, like, the best two weeks of being a Michigan fan since, I don't know. <laughs> It's, I mean, for me, uh, the weeks leading up to the 2006 game were probably the most yeah. fun I ever had as a Michigan fan up until this season. So yeah, I would say uh, this is, well, I don't even want to spoil it because we've got either a pod or I've got an article coming out about talking about the best seasons. So we'll, we'll save that for now, but this is right up there, man. And, uh, you know, it's great that uh, you and I were able to watch him, watch them all. And like most of the fans that I've engaged with have been really locked in ever since at least Penn State. So it's just to have the full might and weight of Michigan Nation finally on the same page. That is also awesome. It is. And it was it was poetic because we heard all the speak in the offseason like this is going to be different. Quorum said it. J.J. McCarthy said it. Cade, Vastardis, all the senior leaders, Haskins. So Hutch. To finally bring this to fruition for them, like you and I talked about, we wanted this this season re- more than anything for Hutchinson and for Harbaugh. Like it did so much for both of their legacies. Hutchinson deserved to be the one to set it back. Harbaugh has been the guy that said he was going to do it. We were rooting for him so hard through this season. In fact, for him to finally do it and do it so emphatically. And then he gets the maize and blue Gatorade dumped on him. He's thanking the team, thanking the fans. I mean, it, it's it's been a storybook season. There's no other way to put it. It has been, man. And I know that probably gets thrown out a lot. But no other team came in with a 2% chance of winning the Big Ten, a 0% chance of making the college football playoff. Does that mean if I would have bet $1, I would have got unlimited amounts of dollars? You're telling me there was a 0% chance. That is madness, and I hope they felt disrespected. We were part of the problem last year. We uh, did not like the on-field product, and we were openly vocal and critical of that, as were many Michigan media members and and writers more prominent than us that's for sure but there was reason for that and the changes that were made I also don't want to get into that because we've got we've got two podcasts coming up this week so we got a lot to talk about I don't want to get into that but the changes that were made showed that Jim Harbaugh was looking at the bigger picture here and he deserves this he deserves this as much as anyone in the country deserves their flowers and and to celebrate with an incredible team that will be remembered through the ages yeah, he should have been national coach of the year. He The first time since the playoff was invented, a team started the season unranked and made the playoff. Fickle gets it because his team starts eighth and makes it in as a four seed. Congratulations. You moved up four <laughs> spots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's just ridiculous. The coaching job this season is unparalleled that I've seen in a long time. And now he's also the first coach to ever reach the playoffs in the, in, in the NFL and in college football. Just an incredible coach. There's nobody else that I would want representing the university. Jim, we are sorry. We talked about Matt Campbell last year. We are sorry we mentioned Brent Venable's name. That was dumb. We admit it. We are wrong. And if you need me to shovel snow in your driveway or if I could, I don't know, polish your shoes, if that would help to ease the pain, I will happily volunteer. Jim, just listen. You're smart. We're dumb. You're handsome. (laughs) We're ugly. Like you're good at math we're terrible like whatever whatever compliment you want we'll pay it to you we've always been happy to eat crow about it so it feels good to have success happen to such a good person good guy good leader and a great coach and a great team man um all right let's take a break when we come back 
I mean, there's so much to talk about. We're breaking it up into two pods. So we're going to talk about the bowl matchup a little bit. Not going to start to break down the X's and O's of Georgia yet, but we will kind of talk about some of the bowl matchups we like, some of the award finalists, Hutch's chance at the Heisman, and more when we get back. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are still Big Ten champions since we stopped recording moments ago. Just wanted to remind everyone of that, but we've got so much to talk about. Man, how easy is it to talk Michigan football when life is this good? This is all we ever want to do. We keep texting every day just, hey, we're still Big Ten champions. We still beat Ohio State. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Mike Morris's dreadlocks? How about that? Let's go. I actually got a bit of content overload after the Big Ten Championship because I've been consuming just endless videos, rewatching games. It almost got to be a bit too much, and I had to take a, a day and go step into a park and like watch some birds feed on a pond because I was like, I need to, I need to stop watching Eric All highlights. <laughs> Not me. I've been snorting it all up for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, those those glasses and backwards hat tell me everything I need to know about what you've been snorting these past few weeks. I'm on a content bender, baby. <laughs> <laughs> if content were cocaine, you're the Daryl Strawberry of Michigan football. <laughs> Taking it all in. You guys want to talk Michigan? Hmm? Hmm? Want to? <laughs> Just be like, sir, this is a church youth group. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have this. Right? It's the gardening section of a Lowe's. <laughs> Brother, Aiden Hutchinson's heading to New York. His season stats, 14 sacks, 15 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, should be better than that. Got jobbed out of him against uh, Michigan State, which we're going to have to take a moment to talk about the little brother energy coming out of East Lansing, but not now. We're talking about Aiden Hutchinson's invite. The other invites go to Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Kenny Pickett. Obviously, you and I are very on board with Hutchinson being there. What are his chances, and how do you think about the overall field? think that was correct. I'm fine with the overall field. You could have left Stroud off, to be honest. If like any quarterback in that system is going to put it up, feels more of a product of it. The other three all played on championship weekend, but it's not that big a deal. I think Stroud's fine to be there. I think he's my pick to finish last. I think Pickett could get 20% of the vote. I think Hutch could probably see 30 but I do think Bryce Young will win it, especially with the last two weeks he in particular had from leading the comeback against Auburn to what he did against Georgia, knocking him off. I think it's his to lose. It's a quarterback heavy award, but come on, what are we doing here? Give it to Hutch. Do the right thing. Do the right thing because we believe it. Even though the stats may not support it this year and Bryce Young has some pretty outlandish stats, which uh, I actually have right here. Bryce Young, 68% completion percentage, 4,322 yards. 43 touchdowns versus four interceptions, three touchdowns on the ground. Definitely the most outstanding offensive player, but if you're talking about which player impacted winning most and who is the best player in college football, which is what it's supposed to be, actually by definition the most outstanding college football player is what it says, it definitely should be Aiden Hutchinson. I agree. I think he will be second, but just having the invite is is awesome, and that's kind of what we were hoping for is, is you know, hey, time to take notice, get him to New York. This is huge for the program. To your Bryce Young stats, erroneous <laughs> on all counts. That's what I got to say to that, all right? You stuff those in a sack and take them outside. I do not care. This goes to the most outstanding player, but even being a runner-up, all things aside, it would be the highest finish for a defensive lineman in 41 years. You think back at some of the great linemen like Indomitian Sue or Chase Young, no higher than fourth. So if you could finish just higher than fourth, like just don't be last, then that's still history. That's four decades of history where you were the best. Was Jabril Peppers last in the voting? Do you recall? Uh, I'll pull it up. Pull it up real this. quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan now has had, this is the third one in my lifetime where we, we've sent a defensive player to New York for the Heisman. So that's pretty unprecedented right there. Chase Young and Ndamukong Sue, the last two that I can even recall. And I think Hutchinson's going to finish higher than all of them. I absolutely agree with that point you just made. All right, so Peppers was uh, 10 total players received votes that year, but there were only five finalists. He was fifth in the finalist. He missed fourth by one vote. Do you know who fourth was that year? Um, I'll, I'll give you the top three. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, blank Jabril Peppers. That was a good year for quarterbacks. My goodness. He really never mm-hmm. stood a chance there. Um, how about uh, who was the running back that year? Was that uh, was that Josh Jacobs? 
It was not. It was D.D. Westbrook, former Oklahoma receiver. Wow. I would have never, never guessed that. Peppers so, was more important than D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, we're talking outstanding. Everything he did for that team compared to Westbrook just riding the coattails of Mayfield. Like, come on. So he missed it by one vote. Still a good showing. And now Harbaugh's had two Heisman finalists in his tenure, which is incredible. It's so incredible what this win does and we're going to talk big picture a million times over the course of the next few weeks but like what we were saying what 2016 would do had we have won had the spot have been correct now that happens the reset happens and it's the most drastic reset in the history of of our of definitely of our podcasting but likely in the history of Michigan I mean at least in the Twitter era where every decision is analyzed overanalyzed and then reanalyzed again where we're at now, like, man, this is this is major for Jim Harbaugh and these these accolades that are piling on now, like the Broyles and the Heisman invite. They're just like it's just adding some sheen to the Harbaugh era right now. Yeah, he's two wins away from doing what Michigan hasn't done since 1948, and that's capturing an outright national championship. Benny Oosterbond was the head coach, I believe, of that team in his first season. So lots changed since 1948. I think uh, Truman was just reelected. <laughs> like things have changed since 48. We hadn't even dropped the nuclear bomb yet. What are you talking about? The world, the world had it was about to change dramatically. <laughs> things had changed. So for, it's I can't believe it's been that long and two wins away right now. I mean that all sins have already been absolved, but two more wins. I mean I don't know absolves. No, we everything. won't even. I haven't washed up on shore yet, but I will for sure wash up on shore if we win a national championship with tattoos that we owe our listeners. Of course, that's going to happen. Um, yes. Speaking to the Heisman, a, uh, a ton of vitriol coming from a fan base known for their vitriol, anger, and just general depression with their own lives. Should Kenneth Walker have been included in this Heisman? Should they have gone to five? His season stats, 263 attempts, 1,636 rushing yards. 18 touchdowns, 13 receptions for 90 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, there was there was a lot of lot of backlash from them, thinking that it should have been him over Aiden Hutchinson. But I mean, like you just said, Hutchinson's probably getting second in this. So if anything, maybe Walker over Stroud. You could make the case. That's the thing. If they wanted him in there, it's just a consolation prize. He finished second in the country in rushing. But what killed him was the last month of the season as. Michigan fans, we understand the drop-off and the depression. So in the biggest spot of the year, his team gets boat raced, and he does absolutely nothing. If he's injured, I'm sorry, that does count against you because you have to be able to play. And then after they got crushed by Ohio State, nobody watched them play Penn State the last game of the year because all eyes were on Michigan and Ohio State. And what did 16 million people see? They saw Aiden Hutchinson. That's what they saw. And they saw C.J. Stroud putting up numbers as well to his defense. It is a lot about branding and the eyes of the world being on that game, but it's absolutely also about six carries against Ohio State and getting blasted and having it be 49 nothing at half. That sort of thing is going to reflect negatively on you. Um, there was some talk that maybe he was injured. I didn't hear anything about that. But look, Michigan State fans and Michigan fans, we should be commiserating here. They just had the most 2016-2018 Michigan season. They know how it feels now to get that win against your rival one of our rivals not our biggest rival correct yeah yeah exactly for them we are their biggest rival but they know how it feels to get that early season win and then have things fall off in november it's lame it is <laughs> i find it far superior to be doing great things in november and now the awards are reflecting that that we're doing it at the end of the season as opposed to in october well, just imagine the optics on the program in general, like sense among the fan base. If we played Ohio State week three every year, and like could drop that game and then end with, you know, seven, eight, nine wins or something to cap it all off, you're going to feel a lot better. Like it's still going to hurt losing to your rival, but not every year you're just ending on a sour note. So it's awful. I understand why you're mad, but just take the LDE and go somewhere else with it because I don't want to hear anything about it. It is some LDE. Like they are just a boycott the Heisman. Like, bro, y'all school's been boycotting the Heisman since your inception. Like, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> like, the Heisman's not interesting. Yeah, so I, I don't do my smack talking on Twitter anymore. I leave that for uh, the noble Spartan keyboard warriors in their, in their noble victory, the failings of, of Twitter defense. Whatever, get I, out of here, bro. No I one leave, cares. 
I leave all of my defense to Kenny Pickett in the bowl game. Good luck. Kenny Pickett's going to carve them up, and that's what's going to make it the most 2016 season ever is they're going to end with a disappointing bowl loss and be like, well, good thing we paid $10 million a year to this guy. Uh, hopefully the end of the season isn't what we're going to expect. <laughs> Things have really gotten cloudy in Lansing, and you know what? You just you love to see it sometimes. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Look, I don't care. Uh, we have to face them in East Lansing again next year. I knew it was coming. The back-to-back years is this year and next year, isn't it? Is it this? Is that the back to back? That is annoying. I really want to house them in, in Ann Arbor and show them what a real field looks like and not some <laughs> patch of grass behind a Carl's Jr. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's very frustrating, but they'll be missing pieces. Walker's probably going pro, but we're already in the next year pre like previewing games. Look at us. Look, man, I, this, there's so much to talk about. All right. Josh Gaddis wins the Broyles Award. I was actually more surprised by this. I thought Aiden Hutchinson might have a better chance than Gaddis. Uh, I think we kind of spoke on it that maybe he won this the past two weeks. The other candidates were uh, Baylor's Jeff Grimes, who's their offensive coordinator. Surprising, being as how their defense has been so good. Oklahoma State Jim Nowles, defensive coordinator, who's now been hired at Ohio State after a very impressive year at Oklahoma State on the defensive end. Uh, Georgia's Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator, who I kind of thought would have been the front runner. Obviously, Gaddis, and then Wake Forest offensive coordinator Warren Ruggiero. Ruggiero, I may have said that incorrectly, but uh, they've been putting up crazy numbers. Who did you think was going to win this when you heard the, uh, the the pool here? I totally thought it was going to be the Georgia defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach. It's really a strength of their team. And also the full name, just like how Michigan has weird names for their coaching positions. The Fane and Billy Slaughter defensive coordinator. That is the hardest names for a defensive coordinator I've ever heard in my life. Fane Slaughter? What? What? Yeah. Like, we have like the Ira and Ezra Newble head coach award like the least intimidating names billy slaughter <laughs> give me a break if you even if you give him his proper name too it's even william slaughter <laughs> so <laughs> any way you address it bill slaughter billy slaughter william slaughter so, the third so i thought he had it in the bag to be honest but i don't know when voting was concluded when they had to be turned in maybe this last game hurt him if it came afterwards but man for Gaddis to get it, it really came like we talked about the last month of the season. And again, you put it best. We're just putting a little extra sheen now, a little more wrist involved, cleaning some of those losses. That's like, you know what? That loss doesn't look so bad anymore. You know what? I feel better about this game now. Polishing brass now at this point. Josh Gaddis is going to be looked at for some head coaching jobs. Tulsa already kicked the tires on him. I believe it was Tulsa. I could have been mistaken there. There was uh um, oh, no, it was Colorado State, excuse me, who hired Mike Norville out of Nevada. They were also looking at Josh Gaddis. Expect those types of things to uh, to increase that kind of talk. I think one more year with Michigan and he could probably put himself in a power five job yeah. kind of discussion. Same with McDonald. The guys that I think will be harder to keep are going to be the Sharon Moores, Mike Hart, Steve Klink scales. So. Those would be the guys that I would be like, oh, man, look, be on the lookout for that because Mike, Mike Hart's getting an offensive coordinator role at some point. Yeah, you got to lock down the guys when you can. Clink Scale is going to be co-DC next year if he sticks around. Sharon Moore's already a co-offensive coordinator. So we talked about it last week, though. This is the tax you have to pay for success. So if you want to have a great team, there's always going to be coaches leaving, going on to bigger and better things. You always just hope to keep your fingers crossed and get like a Brent Venable situation that after he becomes elite, he sticks around for five to seven more years and then can eventually just jump ship to his dream job of Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, I have a million questions to follow up on that, but we're saving it for the superlative podcast, which is coming up also this week. We're doing a twofer. Twofer. So what we do. Go. This is what we. This is what out of the blue does when we don't have a football game to watch this weekend. We grind tape. We grind podcasts. We put on sunglasses at night. And if you're me, you drink some white wine because you're trying to lose some weight before the New Year's. <laughs> it's all about being a better you, Jared. That's all. We can't knock you for that. You're just like Jim Harbaugh. I got. I got. I got a hot date New Year's Eve. I can't come in there looking like some just round bowling ball of a man. I'm going to watch football isolated in my house, so I will be a bowling ball. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've been compared to the uh, elderly Paul Giamatti as far as my body form right now, so it needs to improve. 
<laughs> At least youthful Giamatti. Come on, <laughs> give yourself some Giamatti. Uh, all right, so here's the bowl game lineups. Uh, there's some good ones here. Obviously, you know, number one, Alabama versus Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. Number two, Michigan versus number three, Georgia in the Orange Bowl. We're going to save those. We've got some more coverage coming up. We'll really get into the X's and O's of that. I want to talk about some of the other bowl games, though. Michigan State versus Pittsburgh. Let's start there because we kind of already touched on it. Michigan State's uh, vaunted 130th ranked pass defense going up against Kenny Pickett, potential first round draft pick, ACC champion, um, just overall beast, Heisman finalist, guy that said that uh, he was celebrating the last win of the season over Clemson by drinking some beer and stuff and watching tape. Just uh, out of the blue kind of a guy. How do you see this matchup for Michigan State? Terrible. <laughs> Completely <laughs> awful. <laughs> This is the worst matchup for them. It feels like someone's doing them a disservice by putting them against a potent passing offense. So, especially you don't know who's going to sit out yet. Their best hope is Pickett sits out. It doesn't seem like he's the type of guy to do that. Not that dude. I don't know what's going to happen with Walker or a few of the Michigan State players. That's yet to be seen. But assuming both sides are 100%, run the ball with Kenneth Walker and pray. That's yeah. how you beat. That's how you beat Pittsburgh. Yeah. If you were Kenneth Walker, would you play in this game? I mean, the running backs are a weird thing with getting drafted now. Like he was outstanding this year, and he still might not go until the third round. If I'm Kenneth Walker, I'd probably sit. Just get just because I'm comp. a running back. If I were a quarterback or something else, I wouldn't running back. And he's he's also been playing now. He had several years at Wake Forest. That's a lot of hits. So the thing for me is what really swung me on this argument is Jake Butt. Jake Butt played against Florida State after the 2016 year blew out his knee. Exactly. And was out. Like, never the same. So, if he doesn't want to play, completely understand. Yeah. No, I agree. And this isn't saying this because I want to see Michigan State lose. I don't care at all about this game. We'll have bigger fish to fry. Um, But I could see why he might want to sit out because running backs, A, last about three, four years in the NFL. They have a shelf life, and as it is, like his stock will never be higher than it is now. An injury of any kind is just going to hurt that. Um, so we'll see. If he plays, that could be a fun game. Pat Narduzzi versus Michigan State is really entertaining. Uh, he knows that program. Obviously, things have changed a ton there with the head coach and who's in, in charge. But nonetheless, I still like some of the connections there. But a horrible matchup for Michigan State on paper, yeah, as you alluded awful. to. This would be the only worst matchup for them, it seems like, would be Ohio State again. <laughs> yeah, or uh, an Oklahoma with Caleb Williams or something. That would be a rough matchup for them. Yeah, something like that would not bode well. No, any team that can sling the pill, they're in trouble. And it's really, that's, I mean, that was their Achilles heel for the season, the Big Ten, and how it ended up falling out. That pass defense, oh boy. Yeah, it's bad, and it makes me wonder how in God's name we were able to lose to them. That's not it. Not talking about That's it. That's not. We don't need to go back on that one. Doesn't matter. We accomplished all of our goals, and literally we don't ever need to talk about that again. The Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. You've got Notre Dame who just promoted Marcus Freeman to head coach, a guy that we thought maybe would be a good D.C. for us this year. Not only does he come in and do a good job at D.C. at Notre Dame, he gets promoted to a head coach at a huge program. It's a bold, bold move a few years ahead of schedule. And then you've got Oklahoma State over there losing Jim Niles, but he'll coach in this bowl game. This feels like this could be a defensive gem. How do you see this one? Same as you. I tend to fa- I want to favor Oklahoma State, especially the devastating fashion they lost that Baylor game. If that had happened to Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, oh losing God. by an inch? No, you would not. I would not be recording right now. That was devastating for them. And a lot of people were tweeting that after that. Is like, if Michigan loses to Iowa by one inch, like, set me on fire for real. <laughs> like, not can treat me like a couch in Lansing. So... <laughs> No, I really think this is going to be a struggle game. I tend to favor Oklahoma State initially just off the cuff from what I've seen from both teams this year. Trust them because Cone's still quarterback for Notre Dame, isn't he? I believe so, yeah. Um, But they really, Tommy Reese really started to show something as OC in the second half of the season for them. And they're keeping their, most of their staff intact. So yeah, that'll be a great game. I'm excited for that one. So it's like two ways. It's either the FU Brian Kelly game from Notre Dame or it's the let's let's send Jim Niles out as a winner from Oklahoma State. Right. Those are your two storylines. I'm actually leaning the Notre Dame 
route there. So that'll be an interesting one. I'm staying away on the betting lines there. Uh, Ohio State versus Utah, the game that we kind of just, we didn't really say it out loud, but we may be expected to be in. Utah is awesome. I don't know if you've got a chance to watch them being on the East Coast. I've been out West. I've seen a lot of Utah. They're fun to watch. Again, with Kyle Whittingham, just well coached. Uh, but now their offensive coordinators got them humming on offense. This is going to be tougher than Ohio State uh, was hoping for. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, they'd much rather see Oregon again. Yeah, and Utah smacked Oregon twice. Two times. Back-to-back like, weeks. So that is very, very hard to do. And they embarrassed them both times. So I this is going to be a very physical game. You're not going to out-hit a Kyle Whittingham team. So they're going to come and try to punch Ohio State in the mouth. I believe Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both aren't playing. Oh, so, wow. Well, that's huge then. That puts a lot of press pressure on Njigba. They have other like talented freshmen, but you're losing two of the five best receivers in the country. So that's going to bring some things down here. I still tend to favor the Buckeyes in this, but I favor them in a close one. I think it's going to be close as well. I also see the Buckeyes winning this one, but I've got it as something like 32-27 or something like that. I think this is going to be closer than they were expecting. Utah is going to hang with them. That's just a good team, like top to bottom. Uh, Last one I wanted to touch on, Baylor versus Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. Not really one that we care about too much. Any any rooting interest there other than uh, maybe Lane Kiffin getting locked up there and seeing what he can build at Ole Miss? That's that's kind of intriguing. It's fun. It's Lane Kiffin versus Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda, great defensive mind from LSU at Rebuilding or just furthering Baylor after Matt Rule left. So I like both coaches a lot. Lane Kiffin's just fun. He's just a great character for football. I'm a Matt Corral fan, so I kind of like to see Ole Miss get it done in this one. But, again, I like the matchup. I I could see Baylor mucking this thing up and getting really nasty with it. So I'll go Ole Miss right now, but, again, close. I like these bowl matchups so far. I do, yeah. I mean, this is a fun bowl matchup season, and I kind of expected to be in one of those. So for us to get Georgia and be in one of the big ones, it's – it's bizarre to be looking yeah. at these other ones. Like, let's look at some of these lesser bowls. <laughs> like, it's bizarre. Yeah. How is the Meineke Car Care Bowl this year? Oh, it's like it doesn't matter because we're in the Orange Bowl for the Oh, my God. It's playoff. so sweet. I can't wait to talk about that one. All right. Uh, we're going to call this one a little early because we are recording two podcasts tonight. This is, uh, this is a twofer for us, which, look, you think we can't handle this? Literally, I was put on this earth to drink beer and talk about Michigan football. The end. Yeah, and I'm all out of beer right now. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all out of beer drinking Pinot Grigio, trying to watch my weight because I'm And trust me, if we, beat Georgia, if we beat Georgia, you might get a podcast every night that week. Oh, yeah, deal with it. You'll just have to accept it. You'll be fine with it. All right, we're going to sit down. We're going to grind Chris Jenkins' snaps right now, gather around. <laughs> all right, before we go, we're going all the way back to the beginning. Give me your game balls for the Big Ten Championship game. Game balls for the Big Ten Championship. You can give as many as you want. Give your flowers, my friend. Okay, let's dive in. Jim Harbaugh, just game ball. ball. First game ball. I'm with you. It has to start there for what this means to the program. Offensively, it's honestly kind of tough. Like I, I see a couple people in my mind. I want to go back and forth, but because of the iconic nature of the play right now, I'm going to go Donovan Edwards with one just because that play is never going to die in Michigan lore. And a running back slinging the pill, give me a break. Um, Beautiful. Last one, tight ends on offense, both of them, mm-hmm. uh, Scooney and Eric All for the one-handed catches. And Scooney, the one in double coverage that Cade just beat the safety with was incredible down the seam defensively come on come on like it's going to the best player in america it's going to aiden hutchinson and just everybody this Ben don't break defense i can't get enough of it they give up some yards they don't give up a lot of points man it was just i, I don't want to give game balls to everybody like i did ohio state but it's really hard not to i'm with you um i love the jim harbaugh one let me even be a bigger cop out by saying on offense the triumvirate of josh gaddis mike hart sharon moore that's an yes. even bigger cop-out, but they, they they have to get it. Like, how can you not give these guys their flowers? You mentioned the tight ends who absolutely took over in the second half. Uh, Andrew Vastardis in the offensive line was incredible in this one. You're right. It's a game where you could just give it to everyone. Uh, I'm going to throw one towards Roman Wilson, 
who yeah. I believe like there's a definite competition next year for number one wide receiver. It's going to be fascinating. I like Roman Wilson to, to emerge out of that. I think that he's got like for a freshman, like he's got a really good blend of everything that you look for on defense. I'll throw some flowers at Josh Ross led the team in tackling in this one. This is his kind of game being able to come downhill, not needing to be in pass coverage too often. He's going to excel in a game like this. And he did. Um, another one goes to Mike McDonald for just the second half dominance and uh, and Steve Klink's scale as well. So I kind of want to give more flowers to the coaches in this one because uh, we've gone players all year and it's it's such a combination of them all. Yeah, it it really is, man. And like even we talk about a co- like a competition for number one wide receiver, but then you got CJ who's blocked two punts on the year. So even if he's like not making a direct impact on certain plays, he's still making plays on special teams. And that's just culture. That's effort from everybody on the roster. That's Mikey Sainer still making down the field blocks. That's AJ Henning looking like a rock star on reverses and punts, man. It's just a a fun team. We're gonna get into it more but a team with no glaring weaknesses that can do it in all phases of the game. You love you. And again, your boy, Jay Harbaugh. What a season by that man. Pay him. Pay him. You gotta pay, <laughs> I mean, you got to pay them all. These dudes all deserve like an extra million dollars. Steven Ross, I doubt you listen to this, but someone that knows Steven Ross, maybe, maybe his wife, maybe Steven Ross's wife listens to this. That seem, also seems unlikely. <laughs> maybe Stephen Ross's gardener listens to this like- gardener somebody that knows Stephen Ross send a check to everyone on the staff for one million dollars and say run it back next year one more Please, year all, one more year all you together. have to do one more year together and then we'll start yeah we'll start selling them off and pay the success tax but man it is absolutely beautiful um, all right, we have a million more things to talk about so that's why we are going to take uh, well we're gonna call it now but for us we're gonna take a break. We're going to go superlatives. This is a two-weeker. There's too much to talk about. Uh, anything left from you on this one, my friend? Yeah, I just checked the time. It's uh, 9.30 here on the East Coast, and we're still Big Ten champions at beat Ohio State. All right. Uh, when we start this next one, we will check in and update you on if we are still Big Ten champions. I like our odds. That's <laughs> going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Follow us on Twitter if you'd like at JStorm303 at UMAndyB. Andrew B, excuse there me. There you go. He got I, it. I got it. It only took seven podcasts. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Remember, wherever you go.